Welcome No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. I'm very excited to share with you today, Melinda J. Kelly. Melinda is an author, speaker, and a coach who loves asking questions. She also has um, a background in volunteering and nonprofit work, which I'm going to ask her to share some with us because it's influenced how she interacts with the world around her as well. But before we dive in, I want to read to you one of the closing paragraphs in Finding Your Coach. So Melinda, with your permission, I'm going to read this and then I'm going to have you introduce yourself. This is now in Melinda's voice, which is to me why the question of success is ever more important as we need to understand it in more than iconic or isolated context. It is my hope that each of us can understand what's, what makes us individually happy and what gives us the individual feeling of success in a way that cannot be limited or destroyed by the capriciousness whims of finance. It is my hope that each of us can know ourselves so well that we know when to stand at our own ground or when to say when, and in so doing, have no regrets or hesitation. It is my hope that whether you have chauffeured Rolls Royce or a bus pass to go to work, you enjoy your travels to your professional location. For too long, I believe too many have looked outward for that which will help them feel secure and fulfilled. I hope that I have raised some questions to help you find out not only your success, but your happiness, and in so doing, help your life be more fulfilled. I can only ask questions. The hard work is always from within. Taking the time to really ask what it is we individually need and want and aspire to, and the same time looking at the dark side of our fears, needs, and wants. And Melinda, I just think that sums up, first of all, it sums up what the whole podcast is about, so I'm even more excited to have you here. But I think that's just very powerful, and it's fitting for a book you know, on finding your coach. So with that as an introduction to you, will you share some more about yourself with our listeners? And then we'll dive into the interview. Well, thank you so very much for having me here. I'm delighted and honored to be part of No Limits. I am very fortunate that I was raised in a house, in a home where volunteering was always part of life. And that really set a beautiful stage for me to discover other people, other ways, and to enhance my own life at a very young age. And I've been thankful that it has been something that has benefited me in ways I never would have known. From, I always say that if you're volunteering and putting on an event, you're doing logistics, staffing, budgeting, financing, so many things that people don't realize that become talents you own. But the most fun of it is the people and the work you do. And you're having so much fun with these brand new friends as you save the world that when it's all over, you sort of are sad because, well, we have to think of a new way to save the world. Let's go do it. So that's been a wonderful part of my life. And I'm very fortunate that it still continues. I'm very fortunate that as my professional path, I chose to work in a family business where volunteering was valued. And so it wasn't an issue. I had enough flexibility that I could 
take some extra time off to go do things and acknowledge that I was very, very fortunate with that. And as my life has rolled around, I came to a place where I was looking at where to from here, which is never a bad thing. But I suddenly realized that I may not have my answers and I had lots of options, but I didn't know what I didn't know. And so I at least had the wisdom to say, I need a little help. So what did that look like? So, I mean, I want to find out when you found, you said you needed help. First of all, how long ago was that? Was like a year ago, 10 years ago, longer? Have this been multiple times? It's been, I like to say I rush slowly. I, uh, in 2012, had a variety of things suddenly implode in terms of my professional life. I needed to vision where with the, with the media and technology changing, where was I taking the business? And then I had a moment of great clarity. And the question was, do I want to? Just because you've always done something, is it what you want to continue doing? And even if you're good at something, is it what you want to continue? And that was a really hard question. I also was dealing with a family member's um, significant health issue. And that took me away from a lot of things because be it family, be it friends, when we have someone in need, we tend to lose a little bit of our uh, perspective. And all we want to do is to help them and make it better. And then I had a significant relationship in my life change, and it altered many of the thoughts I thought that were going towards my future. So I had the thrillsome threesome of what next can happen. What did you do? I mean, you can say I asked myself some questions, but that isn't just a one pass thing when you have all of that barreling down on you at once, or is it? Well, of course, the thing with life is you just go forward. And I don't know if we realize we do it, but we sort of triage. So what's the immediate need? What's the next one? And what can hold off? And so my way of thinking the immediate need was family. My second was we'll just let the business professional life limp along. And the last one, sad to say, which I feel is probably true for most of us, was me. And I didn't tend to my bruise. But as I started to come out of it, I started to realize that I really could do anything I wanted. And what did I want to do? And that's a really scary question. Because there's so many paths. There's so many things. I mean, you know, we all kid that we'd like to have nothing to do and sit at home and eat bonbons and read a book. But we all know on vacation, after the third day of reading a book, we're a little bored. And uh, I started to think about things that I'd enjoyed doing. And honestly, I did look at maybe going in professionally to nonprofit work because it's something I know and has meant a lot to me. And I, the more I thought about it, the more I realized 
I love doing it as a volunteer. And it is such a very different dynamic when you're herding the cats. I like being one of the cats somebody was watching over rather than being the one to say, by the way, um, did you remember we need this, that, or the other thing? And and I could sit there and make a phone call and say, oh, by the way, could the office staff handle this? Um, I could suddenly be the office staff having to roll my eyes at someone who forgot a major thing. So to all those people who work in nonprofits, who get those crazy phone calls from those lovely volunteers who mean well and muck up on occasion, let me just say thank you. You have no idea how much we appreciate you above and beyond what we tell you we do. That's so funny. I love the um, analogy of herding cats. And, you know, it's been around for a while, but whenever I hear that, I always in my head have this meow, meow. Because, and I don't know I if you've ever seen the YouTube video with the cowboys and the cats. I and have, and I love it. I often show that at when I'm doing retreats, just because, first of all, board members get it, and so do staff. But, Melinda, when you came to that place, I don't want to underestimate how important it was that you were able to say, even though this is interesting to me, if I change my role, say in the example being nonprofits, it wasn't where you want it to be. So even though you could do it, you didn't default to do it. And that is that is something I feel too often going back, we get herded, we get directed by other people's expectations or thoughts. And everyone, what I love about our friends is they all believe we can walk on water. Whether we really can or not, God love them, they believe it. And maybe we could and maybe we can't. So as people were like, oh, you should do this, you'd be great. Well, yeah, maybe I could, but would I be happy? And then are you trading one pile, one pair of of shoes that don't fit well for another pair of shoes that don't fit well? You know, maybe I don't want to wear shoes anymore. Maybe I want to be wearing flip-flops. Yeah, go a whole different direction. And so I realized, yeah, maybe I really did want to wear flip-flops. But I'm not making light of it. And, And I fully own that I was fortunate to be in a position where I had that luxury where my core needs were being met so that I could take the time to really think about it. And that is a luxury that I wish more people had because too often I I believe we're chasing. We're not sure what we're chasing, but that sense of if we get there, we'll be happy or, or it'll all be okay. And what we haven't realized is somehow we lost us and our happiness and our sense of what's going on because we've lost, we've lost us totally to take care of the immediate and the now. So is that what started you down the path to writing your book? What started me on the path to writing my book was I started working and I'm in the West coast. We have all sorts of wonderful thought leaders and personalities and all sorts of individuals that'll share the world with you. And I really enjoyed working with some. And with some, I would go and, you know, everyone has a 
a webinar or a website or a Facebook, and there's a lot of wonderful information out there for you. Not that you even have to pay for it, but just truly is just given generously. And as I would attend webinars or conferences, there were people that resonated. And there were people that they obviously had something fabulous, but it was not for me. And realizing that I didn't have to take that, I didn't have to, just because I went there, didn't mean I have to accept it. I could say no, which is, you know, you know, at some level you're being sold because they have this best new idea they want to share with you. But to be able to say no was very liberating to me. And at one of these conferences where they offered a fabulous product, but it was not for me, I was speaking with a woman I'd seen at another conference. And in talking with her, I realized she had become a conference gypsy. And so she kept seeking, but not finding. And that realization that this can be a fabulous distraction. You can go to all sorts of fabulous places and meet all these wonderful, innovative, inspirational people and not get any answers. And it really made me look at what am I doing? Because it'd be very easy to just be very busy going to all these wonderful weekends and all these uplifting people and get no further where, where I wanted to be. That I have to say thank you to her because it was a great eye-opener to how easy and how seductive it is. It's that thing of learning but not applying, right? Because my bet would be you could take something from any conference and really dig down on it and go, okay, what if I applied that? How might mm-hmm. that affect me? But you're right. You can continue to go, well, just I need a little more info. What if I had a little more info? Or I'd be a little more understanding. So then from there to your book, because you have, I mean, really your book is very thoughtful in the way that it's out, outlined. Um, and maybe you can just kind of walk us through. I know you've got a copy there because I asked you if you had one handy for you. But if you could just kind of walk us through your thought process of why you organized it this way and any key things that... Um, any key things for the various parts that you think are the biggest takeaways? But really, what was your thought process? Let's start with that. Well, I started out with it, introducing you to my journey and hoping you'll all have appreciation. And hopefully your journey does not have as many surprises and questions on it. I, my first thought is, is it you or them? Because as much as I want it to be them, if it's the only constant in the room is always me, then it might be me. And so the questions had to be about me. And what was I doing that stopped me from taking everything in? Because there were people there that found the secret to the universe. And we were in the same room but I wasn't taking home anything but papers. And I laid it out sort of as I went through my exploration. And I started out with sort of the questions that came to me. I, something I find a lot of people can, can relate to is we're all smart people. 
there are very few things we can't figure out. And if we can't figure out, our circle of friends can help us figure it out. But we take that into a webinar, a conference, a lecture, whatever. And we're so smart. And we know it all. And we've got all the answers. And in fact, we're so smart, we're stupid. Because they're telling us things we've asked them to share with us, but we're so busy not taking it in because we know all the answers, we go home empty. So that was something I hate to admit is true of me and something I work on because we are smart people. But sometimes there's someone a little smarter who's got something really nice to share. So I started looking at things like that. I started looking at, you know, you look at around the room and everyone is dressed in, I call their aspirational hope, you know, their, their attire. And there's who they want to be. And they are so busy pretending to be in the role that they're not understanding that they're getting the roadmap how to get there because they're so caught up in what they need to be and look like. And so they're not hearing it. And there are these weird little things we do that are part of who we are. And I really believe if we're doing it in one part of our life, we do it in another. If we're doing it professionally, we're probably doing it privately and personally. So give me an example. Are you talking about like thinking that we know it all so we're not listening to others? When you say we're doing Um, it professionally and personally, or is there a different example? Nice. We all like to be nice. Most of us don't like to rock the boat. We like to let everything be calm and happy and pleasant. And so if someone says, I'd like to, let's plan to meet Thursday at two. And your first thought is, okay, I've got a, lunch meeting that should be over by 1, one thirty. by the time I drive across town and get over there. And yeah, yeah, I could do that. I could do that. Well, you're being nice to them, but you're not being nice to you. You're not owning your, your needs. Where if you just said, you know, Thursday would work, but could we move it to three? You're being nice to you. You're being nice to them and you're having a conversation. But so often our first thought is, oh, yeah, 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 I, I, I just need to do that. And so by the time we get to the meeting at 2 o'clock, we fly in, we're discombobulated, we hope we've got our notes, we haven't had the time to really let go of where we were and to be present for where we are. And so we've shortchanged them and we've shortchanged ourselves. Okay, so that's a great example of if we do that personally or professionally, it's, it's likely to bleed over into other areas of our life. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay, so back to your book. But I just wanted to make sure I was tracking you correctly. Well, and please let me know, because like with all things, when you know something, you can go off on a tangent and you think you're clear as a bell. But the reason you're clear as a bell to you is you know what you're talking about and you may not have explained it fully. Guilty as charged. So um, thank heavens we're all very human. We are. Okay, so back to your book. So you started find, looking for patterns and, and looking at questions that you needed to explore for yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. And 
And that helped a lot. And, you know, we've got all these wonderful tests out there now. And, you know, there's the, um, oh, I just went blank, the, the IMFT. Cal- oh, Myers-Briggs. Thank you. And there's the Berkman with colors. And there's, there are so many wonderful tests out there. And it is a fabulous starting place. And there was one board I was on. And I'm a blue-green person by Berkman. And it was a very easy way to define the board. And our treasurer was red, which is exactly what you need. Focused, analytical, no nonsense. And when I had to deal with her, it was great because I realized I would make her crazy. And we might get along great until I had to talk with her about something financial, and I lost her halfway through. And so that's a lovely insight for me with working with others and with the Myers-Briggs. If I understand that I'm an introvert, I can make the effort to push when needed. And if I'm an extrovert, I need to also appreciate that maybe I come on too strong And don't realize I may have taken all the air out of the room and didn't mean to and have accidentally undercut my effectiveness because people are like, who's that? So I was thinking about that and how we can use these tools to understand ourselves better and to understand that introverts are what most people are. Extroverts weren't really considered all that fabulous until Dale Carnegie And, you know, everyone is your best friend and go forth. So it's a reason that most of us tend to be a little reticent or shy. Okay. So then you do start out looking at you and then you start talking about them, right? And who are them? Who are them? Them out there are all quite interesting. And I really was sort of struck by how life has changed. Because years ago, if you said I went to a coach, people would have gone, what? Are you playing basketball? And the as we've changed with the luxury of, of um, the industrial revolution and having more leisure time, we started questioning what was going on. And you start to see a pattern of thought leaders questioning the human existence and looking for more and better. And we used to go to our families, but we may not live in the same area that our family lives anymore. And then you go, well, who are your friends? Well, you may not have friends you would want to share that with. And then we started going to the medical field and to psychiatrists or psychologists. And then that shifted. And so you see how this evolution of who we speak with for assistance has changed to where we're in the wild west of assistance because everyone and anyone can be a coach and what i believe is it takes really a sort of a great heart that wants to be out there and help and professional designations are also great but with all things i i really feel you need to sort of uh, trust and verify and so how does somebody, I think that's really important. So let's spend a couple minutes on that because 
we know we when we're starting a business or we're donating to a business, whatever, a nonprofit, we do what's called due diligence, right? We'll look them up. How's their 990s? Are they giving their money where they say they are? All of that stuff. But when you want to do trust and verify, are you talking about trusting credentials, trusting referrals, trusting your own experience or your connection with how talk about how do you trust and verify something that's different? Oh, more than happy to. I had when I a long quite a while ago before this, I was going to try writing. And I signed up with a um, adult education group and woman sounded fabulous and I went to her courses and the first meeting went home and did my assignment came back and it was savaged no matter what I said she just did not like anything I had done and I thought I'm new to this okay and I took all of her suggestions went home reworked the entire thing and the next week she savaged it and it was so obvious or unpleasant or whatever that people came up at break to say, I liked what you wrote. And I tried one more week and I realized we're not a fit. And I don't know if in a past life I kicked her in the shin. I have no idea because here is this lovely, competent, talented, professional person who did not like whatever I was doing. So I didn't realize how much it, it did sort of bruise me in a way because it made me very reluctant to trust again. But I am happy that I had the presence of mind to, that it was not me. There was something wrong here. And I think that's sort of one of those, everything was great on paper. There's no reason it should have happened that way. And yet it did. And I have no idea why, but you have to sometimes say that happens. That was then, now into now. There are a lot of people that have information out there online, their website, their courses, webinars, other things. So you can get a sense of them before you choose to work with them, be it in a free environment or paid. And the best way of anything is always from someone you know and trust. And many of them, and I respect them for this, are like, let's work for, together for a while. Let's play. If this doesn't work, then let's say goodbye. It's been lovely. And I'll refund all your money. And I give them a world of credit because they have the belief that they are there to help you. If you don't feel it's working for you, it's not working for you. And it has nothing to do with them. It's like, I, I like to use the example is if you're in Brazil and you're speaking Spanish, you're close, but you're never going to get your dinner ordered. <laughs> so that's a good analogy. You're in the neighborhood, but you're not quite there. The other thing too, I liked that you started by looking at yourself first in the book, because sometimes when it's hard, like, when you were kind of being brutalized by that writing teacher, right? You could have just been so hurt or mad that you wouldn't even have tried again. Or, I mean, you didn't at least say, well, she's the worst thing in the world. 
right? But you came wow. back, you tried again, but then you were able to stand back and go, it's not a fit, right? Without blaming the other person or whatever. It's like, it's, I'm not bad. She's not bad. We're not a fit. And, or in the shorthand, no harm, no foul, mm-hmm. right? We just don't need to be together. We're maybe a little oil and water. So I think that's important for folks to know because it's easy to, um, I always think about little kids when you get mad and we do this as big kids, we just do it different is we say, I'm taking my toys and going home, right? I'm out of here. And I think when you're able to say, I'm in the wrong playground, that's all. I need different people to help me communicate with me or the Portuguese, Spanish piece, you know, whatever. So I think that's really a benefit. But then how do you go from there? So say I'm in that place where I'm not mixing correctly. I'm not getting my needs met. How do you then, you just keep going out and trying different things. And where is that tipping point where you know that, you know, when you were talking about being a seminar hopper, right? Mm -hmm. You could have said, those people don't have the right thing to offer me. And I'm going to keep going until I find the perfect one. But you actually, what I'm after is how did you know to stop and go, wait, this may be an internal job. I think that after you're at your third seminar, you have to sit there and go, I like what they're saying, but I'm fighting it. That's not them. That's me. So it could be the same when you're looking for a coach or an online mm-hmm. class as well, right? When you're trying to test mm-hmm. it, say, okay, wait, three times I've done this. What's this constant here is me. Is there, mm-hmm. unless these guys are all cookie cutters of each other, of each other. And even someone you don't mesh with, you learn from. You may learn about yourself more than you learn about the subject matter, but you do learn. There is an individual that I very much like her philosophy and her approach to things. And she has done great things with a lot of people. And I'm very happy that I took my working with her further into a a second level. The first level was where we were. The second level, I was aspirational and I wasn't ready. Now, do I get mad at her or do I get mad at me or do I get mad? Everything I learned, I will be able to use down the road, but I wasn't able to use it in the time. I wasn't ready for it or set up for it. And so I was out of sync. And that's part of going within. Because if if you're going to run around and be mad at everybody all the time, there's no energy to do anything more fun. And I really and truly was not out exploring so I could be annoyed at people. You know, I could stay in the traffic around here and be perfectly, you know, fulfilled all day with that. Yes, from Southern California, you certainly could. Mm-hmm. So I, that's why I think I started to look at what was going on with me. Because, like I said, we're smart people, and we're smart enough to know when we're stopping ourselves. When we take the time to get still and ask ourselves what we really would like to do, we sort of know what it is. We come up with a lot of excuses a lot of reasons, a lot of rationalizations. But most of us know what the truth is, even when we don't want to admit it. 
So that was a great segue to bring your book back to the third and final part, which is success, right? And you asked some really great questions in there, but I wonder if you could just touch on like the different areas of success that people, you suggest people consider. And then if there's like something when, when our listeners are done today, you could say, if you asked yourself this question today, it would help you be closer to where you want to go tomorrow. So you can noodle on the question, but talk about talk about the areas of success that you have people consider in the book. Well, I find it very amusing that whenever we travel somewhere, as Americans, we tend to come home and say, oh, I love the way they have family dinners. Oh, I love the way you saw this family in the park. Oh, I love the way you go to the museums and everyone is in them. And we get home and we think we'll do it for the first month. And by day 32, it's history. And what we're looking at and aspiring to and wanting is a different pace of life that is more valued on experiences and communal time and things along that nature. They're less focused on. I put in 50 hours this week, or I'm in line for a promotion. It's a whole other lovely list of what's important. And too often, we get caught up in keeping up with the Joneses. And I need this and I need that. And one of the gifts of traveling is when you see the neighborhood pub or bar, and it's full of everyone, men, women, children, and they're watching a sporting match. Because it isn't as much about the sport as the communal activity of rooting for their team. Now, our tradition is we hunker into, you know, our man cave or, you know, room that is our zone and get into the big, you know, barca lounger or sofa and have this isolated experience. Well, that's all very lovely. But then the first thing we do is go find other people to talk about this experience we all shared alone. And all we want to do is talk about it together. And it just really struck me that there are other ways for us to be looking at what is successful. And maybe successful is you've got the big super duper TV to invite all of your friends over for. And you're the house where everyone comes to watch the game. And then that's a beautiful match of the two of you're successful that you have all this technology, but you're successful internally because your friends love spending the time with you and coming to your house because it's their football place. And that also led me to start thinking about other ways we look at, at success. There's, there's the internal, if I send you an email, it's a tangible statement of what's going on, and I can say all sorts of lovely things, and you've got it. But if I'm walking on the street and see somebody and smile at them, that's an intangible hello. And there are so many other ways of successfully communicating that we don't think about. It's not always just one or the other. It can be both. And you might say that both are successful in what they achieve, but the smile might have a better impact. So collectively, 
if you've ever played, if you've ever been in a play or in a band, you want everyone to shine. Because when everyone shines, you shine. That's your collective success. And no one sets out to have a bad play. And even if you have a bad play, the collective success is your happiness that you did it, that you will talk about the war wounds from when the set fell down. And there's even a play about, you know, the worst thing that ever happened. But that is a collective success. That is all of you together in it. And professionally, that becomes an interesting thing because how do you own your piece and still praise and celebrate others? Because you're all as strong as your weak link. So why wouldn't you want to help everyone shine their best? So I really started to think about other aspects, emotional success, to be able to be comfortable within your own feeling. And I've had a lot of things happen the past couple of years. And um, I've gotten very good that if my eyes well up with tears, that's me. And I've gotten very good at blotting my eyes so that I don't end up looking like a raccoon with my mascara. And very thankful. That's a new talent. So we tend to think about success in this very one-dimensional thing, that it's a number. And that if I only had a million dollars or $5 million or whatever, I could be happy. But it, I think of it, it's an old joke, and I hope I can get it right, about the businessman who goes down to the little fishing village because he's going to go have his vacation and relax. And he rents the boat and he goes out and he comes back and brings his fish and has them done up. And after a couple of days, he turns to the guy and he goes, you know, you could have a great business with this. We could, you know, get you a fleet of boats and you could oversee it. And it would be a wonderful way of life. And the gentleman looks at them and goes, well, why would I want to do that? Well, you'd have more money. You'd have freedom. You could do what you want. Anytime you want to do it, gentleman looks at me and goes, is that what you do now? And he's like, well, no, I, I take care of my business. And then I have my vacation to take care of other things. And what do you do on your vacation? I do what I want, spend the afternoon with the people I love, do what I like. Well, fisherman goes, well, I get up when I want. I take the charter I want. I go home and have an afternoon with my wife. We have dinner. We go to sleep. And the next day I can do what I want. Why would I want to charter, you know, fleet and boats? He had happiness. He knew he what his happiness. enough to know it. And that's the other catch. And I just love it because too often we're chasing somebody else's dream. The, um, I'm going to ask you um, two more questions just so you can start thinking about them. One's really easy because if you, if you can't figure it out, then I'll help you, which is about people connecting with you. The other one I want to ask you to think about is knowing everything you know now. Let's go back and talk to you when you were like 10 or 11 and all the road you've had, like maybe a piece of advice. And while you're thinking about that, I want to just to relate. This isn't my, I didn't come up with this story, but it really struck me. I was either listening to a podcast or reading a book or listening to a book because I do that pretty much nonstop. And they were talking about the concept of success similar to you were as what you were. 
So this guy is at a party in upstate, I want to say it was upstate New York somewhere. And there's, you know, like folks are there and they're all like either very famous or uber wealthy, right? And then this one guy's there and he also, right? But he's not up there. He's not like the most famous and he's not the most wealthy. But someone um, says, well, do you know so-and-so over there has this much? So they're all having this conversation about wealth, right? All tied to, to dollar values. And this guy says, well, I'm actually the wealthiest person in this room. And he says, but he takes back. I mean, the guy he's talking to is taken aback. And he said, well, how do you know? And he said, I don't need anything. I have every single thing I need and want right now. And it isn't tied to my dollars, my bank account, right? And he says, but, and I really butchered that, but really the concept of it's like, how much striving do you want to do to acquire and what's the cost? So it's your fisherman story, right? What's mm-hmm. the cost? So I appreciate, I appreciate the fisherman story and the whole circling back to our, what are we chasing? What is a What is our own success? And that may change over the course of a lifetime, how you define it. But um, Oh, I think most definitely when you're, if you're a parent, your happiness and success is seeing your children flourish and have wings and be healthy. If, if you're in a relationship, it's knowing when you go home, your eyes and your heart light up because the person on the other side of the door is your everything. There are so many, at every point in our life, there's something that adds to what our happiness is. And I'm so thankful for that because there's always something new and lovely around the horizon when our when our eyes are open, when we're, when we're open enough to see that there is so much more in terms of happiness and success to keep us all going. That is a powerful way to wrap up the podcast, but you're not off the hook. I still want to know what, because it's one of the things our listeners have asked us to ask our guests, you know, knowing what you know now, is there advice or some kind of tidbit you would offer yourself at a younger age? Just that's all I want to say about that. I would say Actually, and it's something I do say to my friends' children and grandchildren is to believe in yourself, that you are smart, talented individuals, that you have it all, that I believe in your potential and your possibility. I was fortunate that I had my Aunt Sue who believed I could walk on water. And I really believe every one of us needs to be my Aunt Sue, that we all need to pay it forward to the next generation, to the people we care about, to believe in them and to tell them that daily, to never let them doubt it. So to myself, I would say to believe in myself, to trust myself, that my instincts are true and they're true to me, that the world is going to surprise me in a lot of ways but be very thankful you're resilient and that you're going to bounce back. And to remember that there are a lot of people that love you and that you love. There's a lot of safety and love and concern in your world. 
That's beautiful. Well, thank you. I want to ask you, um, where is the best place for folks to connect with you? And also, where should they look for your book? Thank you so very much. My website is melindajkelly.com. I am the joyful social media. So Facebook and um, Instagram and Twitter and others and YouTube and Pinterest. Uh, My book is at Amazon and also through my website. And I would certainly enjoy being connected with additional people, hearing your opinions. I would love to hear your opinions on success and happiness. And I really do. My greatest hope is that we can start a conversation to see which is it we're looking for. Is it happiness or success? And once we have our happiness, do we have our success? Because it seems that chasing success may not have made us happy. So hopefully we can help each other find our direction. I think it's going to take all of us arm in arm to do that too. Oh, that sounds good. I love company. All right. Melinda, thanks so much for spending time with us today. And I've just enjoyed listening to you and learning from you. And your enthusiasm and your introspection are really valuable. Well, thank you so very much for just delightful moment in time that's flown by. You're quite welcome. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. We hope you liked what you heard. And if you did, we ask that you go over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. If you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, please be sure to share And until next time, have a great week living a no labels, no limits, and no excuses life.